This is an introductory talk by Douglas Harding in Kent Field, California in 1983. So there are three things before lunch. And we might have half an hour for your questions. And uh, I would hope that these questions may be answered. Listening, I've been listening and I've been reading and I've been arguing for 70 years, more or less. And you know, it's highly inconclusive. <laughs> and, uh, isn't it? Have you noticed? <laughs> highly inconclusive. You know, a few moments spent in these little experiments, really, I find really convincing. So it's the experiments we're relying on. However, I'm ne nevertheless going to indulge now in some more talk. <laughs> um, as a setting for the experiment we're going to do. I, I, I think my own approach, which is the only one I'm really qualified to speak about, uh, is rather like this. See, I've, I'm really thankful to have happened. I'm not joking, I'm really serious. Because, you know, at 74, you, 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 you kind of feel thankful for having happened. Because you're presently going to unhappen, it seems. <laughs> so, what about celebrating having happened? But it seems to me that I was in grave danger of spending my life taking everybody's, everybody's word about what had happened, except my own word. And I believed everything I was told, more or less. I never really got around for many years to experiencing myself as I experienced myself, not as I'm told to experience myself. I mean, I experienced myself initially, a small baby, as I experienced myself. I didn't monkey about the evidence. The evidence was very confused and very uh, elementary, but at least it was acceptable. And I didn't mess it up. But then you see, this club came along, appeared, and I had great anxiety to join it, rightly. There a lot of advantages, like language. And so I lost touch with what had happened. So I imposed on what my own experience was, that which I expected. And now I, I'm, I'm really enjoying having happened as it happened, or as it happens, as far as I'm able, without reference to what I ought to be experiencing, or what I've been told I am, by the club. So that my motive for looking into this personally is it seems so feeble-minded to live and die without inquiring who is doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but taking everybody's word for that, you see, that's my first motive. And the second motive is, um, I mention this because I'm really only qualified to speak about my own motivation. It might correspond to yours, however. And the second motivation is that it's been advertised down the ages by very wonderful and great people who, who really have survived in the uh, species consciousness, greatest ones, been advertised down the ages, most extraordinary proposition, unbelievable. 
unthinkable, shocking proposition. So sitting in this chair here at this moment, and in all your chairs or sitting on your cushions at this moment, is something of just inexpressible wonder and astonishment and splendor and grandeur, nothing less than the source and origin of the whole world. God herself. Now, God is not a term I'd like to bandy about too much, and some of my friends in this room feel slightly awkward when, I'm in, when I use these words, but uh, all the same, a word of power for me. And if you don't like the word God, there are plenty of, plenty of things which are less, plenty of terms which are perhaps less uh, loaded. But I just like the loadedness of it personally. Because it's shocking, it's shocking. And I do, I find that I need to be shocked. I need shocking treatment because I've really got it made so bad, this, this living from what I was told to live from instead of what I was. So, down the ages, these people have saying, look, right where you are, Tennyson says it, nearer than breathing, closer than hands and feet. Is that the origin of the whole world, source, being itself, reality, after Atman, Brahman, Buddha nature, void, the thousand names. Allah, Holy Spirit, Kingdom, the one light lights every man. All these grand names. I think it's a good thing to have a lot of grand names because they all cancel out and you can really forget them if you have a whole list. And so it all leaves the whole thing kind of vague. If you fasten onto one of them, I think that might be a bit tricky. So anyway, I've been told down the ages that nearer to me than Douglas Edison Harding is where Douglas Edison Harding and all the whole darn world comes from. And the second thing they've told me, well, I mean, this is something for worth, worth uh, perhaps uh, two or three hours investigation in case it should be true. But in case it should be true, and if it's not true, let's junk it. I mean, really, I mean, let's get rid of it. But it's persistent, it really, it persists, this doctrine. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy and it persists. And so at least it's worth, since the people that have been advertising this have been acknowledged the most splendid, the most wonderful people among them, that humanity boasts, it's certainly worth a weekend having a look at. You know, a few hours of our valuable time well spent in seeing whether there's anything in this rumour that's going, been round for the last 4,000 years about you personally. So uh, that's what we're up to. The second motive then, first motive is just, uh, you know, I'll be damned if I'm going to die before I've really bothered to look at who's, who's, who's living. And the second motive is this rumour that's been around about me and I want to check that. Um, other motives? Well, yes. I, you see, my other motive is that Douglas Harding is an incredible mess. <laughs> Being Douglas Harding doesn't work. 
Now, you don't know that, because, at least you do know if you live around me, perhaps, but you, you, you might suspect that uh, Douglas Harding is uh, perhaps, you know, uh, managing somehow, but I can promise, I can promise you that being Douglas Harding is a, a dead loss as far as I'm concerned. Now, being Douglas Harding out there is just fine. I mean, being Douglas Harding here, right here at the center, being this guy called Douglas Harding, this little bit of the world, this little guy, one of, what is it, 5,000 million of them on Earth, so brief, presently to vanish. And he's up against all the other 5,000 million because it's him and they're all the others. Loggerheads with them, fending for himself, lonely, afraid, afraid, separate, alienated. By nature, because being a thing here, an object, a person, personality, being what you see, hairy and pink and English and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, now that is being separate, it's being one off, temporary specimen of this homo amusingly called sapiens. One specimen of homo sapiens. Now that for me is just hell. I promise you it's hell for me. Now for you it may be working all right. <laughs> I mean the analogous thing may be working all right. But even if it's working fairly well, there are times when it doesn't work that well I guess. And, and anyway, it might work one hell of a lot better if we would perhaps see whether these people were right when they said, no, right where you are, the center of your whole universe, right where you are, it's not this meatball or whatever I might call it like this, the center of it all is, is the origin of the whole world. Now, another thing they said, these, these wonderful people, some of them, They said, it's the most obvious and accessible reality in the world. You see, a lot of other people have said, it's the most difficult thing. You have to go, go, you have to, go to the other end of the world. You have to wear funny robes. And, uh, you can only learn it from people with different colored skin. And you have to learn languages. And you have all the hundred things you have to do. And it's highly inaccessible and difficult. And you have to be very, very good or else very, very earnest and uh, they're very, very determined here to find it. And even then, it's terribly difficult, and you perhaps won't find it in this life at all. You may have to go through many lifetimes to find it. Now, that may well be true. And, uh, some people have found it that way, and I guess for them, you know, that's the way it is. But I like to, being lazy and uh, really, really wanting it, you see, I really want this. I'm not, I, people come along and say they're difficult. One the chap says it's difficult and you have to pay all this price. Another person says the easiest, easiest, simplest, most obvious thing, I'll go for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and have a go and see if he isn't right. And in California, I think you go for that guy, don't you? <laughs> My reading of true Californians is, or true Americans is you go for the guy who says I'll show you how to do it. Now, you see? So I'm a true Californian here, I hope. And I'd say, I'll have a go with the chap who says it's available now. And you say, yes, but has he got any status, this guy who says it's available now? 
Well, what's your lineage? What's your lineage? Yeah. That's right. How many degrees have you got? Or, you know, how many? Yeah. Well, and one guy that really does encourage me here, has encouraged me, and I think he's well known to some of you, but he's only one of a great tribe and lineage of people who've said this. And that is uh, someone who died about 40 years ago in India, uh, called Ramana Maharshi of Tiruvannamalai. And uh, because he said it doesn't make true, but it encourages us to see whether he was right by experimentation, which we're going to do later on this weekend. But I mentioned it during our encouragement. And he says, he said, this great Indian teacher, acknowledged by Zen people and by uh, yo, 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 yogi, uh, yogis and um, the whole yoga movement and uh, acknowledged by uh, millions of people really, certainly in India, regarded as one of the great mystical teachers of the century. He said that enlightenment, no, liberation, he could say, which is seeing who you really are, not what you're told you are. Really are, which is none other than the source of the whole world, the one and the eighth one, is the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world. Now, what a contrast. This guy here is telling me it's the most difficult thing. This guy is telling me it's the easiest. Ramana says it is the most obvious thing. He says, if you can't see who you are, who the hell can? <laughs> And, it, 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 you know, it's got to be available if I am it. At least it seems to me there's a good chance. <laughs> and uh, I, I, with great respect, I would humbly suggest to you that if you say he's wrong, and it is difficult, and I'm on the road, and one day I hope to see who I am, with great respect, I suggest to you that you don't want to see who you are at all. What you like is going there on the bay on the road. And for some reason, best known to yourself, which I respect, I would say you don't want it yet. Like St. Augustine, you know any wonderful prayer of St. Augustine as a young man? You remember that one? Oh Lord, make me chaste. But not yet. Chased by who? Good question. <laughs> yeah. I'm perhaps treading on some corns here, <laughs> but um, I think it's okay not to want it now. I think it's okay to get some mileage out of this. We're going to have a lot of good fun traveling. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that I'm impatient, and you may be impatient like me. And I'm not one of those patient people who are going to uh, take their time over it. Perhaps 15 lifetimes, perhaps 100 lifetimes, perhaps all their life. Perhaps a year, several years. Nothing wrong with that. Let's get mileage out of the whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> and I think that when, after having put in all this work and this meditation, this seriousness, the thing then strikes you, you probably will have a peak experience then. <laughs> you probably will. But if you're like me and impatient, you want it now, and we see it now, you won't have a peak experience. You'll probably say, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's great, great. Oh, now what next? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
Ramana says, it's the most available thing, it's the most obvious thing. And to see who you are is easier than to see a gooseberry in the palm of your hand. And the people around him say, oh, no, you're marvelous dear master, you know, he can do it. None of us can do it. And they worshipped him and adored him and they never listened to what he said. <laughs> At least, a great many of them, most of them, adored him and said, only he can do it. Only he can do it. And he said, oh, the pity, the pity. You know? It's strange. And we think we want to see who we, we are. We think we want to be free. We want to tell the truth about who we are. But I, I must admit that in me and all of us, I perceive a great resistance. A really great resistance. And it's not a bad thing, I suppose. I mean, it's the way it is. Now, how do we, how is that resistance bypassed? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's any answer to that one. Except perhaps to have some really serious problems. And my, I, I, you know, I just had to get down to this because I was such an incredible mess. And that really helps to have a lot of bad problems. I find. My experience. The ones that are desperate for the truth. And of course it's helpful to perceive that resistance to seeing who we are, which turns out to be very, very, very plain and simple indeed, nothing whatever, is perhaps largely due to the fact that that's the end of the story. And if we can quickly go on to perceive that as nothing, we are also all, and it's a case of trading one little Douglas for the whole world, you can see it's very good business. <laughs> and it's not losing out, it's quite the contrary. The threat seems to persist. So we have these motives and these encouragements. And uh, uh, Ramana here telling us it's easy. Now Ramana and company and all these great ones down the ages not only told us, they not only told us it's, it's accessible, they told us where it is. And it's nearer than hands and feet and breathing. Now, being a literal kind of guy, I say nearer than hands and feet and breathing. No, I, I take that seriously. Feet and hands and breathing. So we've been looking at what's nearer than those things in a moment. So you tell us, well, what is, A, it's successful. They tell us where it is. And they say, tell us when it is. Because you have to know when a thing is available. And they say it's available now. These, these ones, this is, this, these other guys, the ones that say it's available now, are very insistent it's available at this moment, just as you are, you know, without further discipline, without further meditation, without further accomplishment of anything. It's available now, at this very moment. Even Zen people, or especially the early Zen masters and masters like Uman, Japanese master, I think of the 12th century, very well regarded, said something like this. Um, it would seem good sense to get rid of your bad karma with a view to enlightenment, with a view to seeing who you are, get the rubbish out of the way. 
the only thing is it doesn't work too well in my way and the way of Zen he said now I don't think all Zen people would agree with him here but the way of Zen is first see who you are get rid of your bad, bad karma afterwards <laughs> and for my money seeing who I am is so easy and so obvious getting rid of my bad karma how the hell would I begin to do that now that's a hard that's a, that's a big deal I don't know about my bad karma I wouldn't know about that very much at all but I, I can I find that seeing who I am is the easy thing and that I will do first so here's Uman encouraging us here this morning by saying first see who you are and that's obvious get your enlightenment first and deserve it afterwards <laughs> well uh, that suits me <laughs> suits me and it's rather like the you know I've used this analogy very often it's like a television set isn't it I mean I guess you do the same as we do in England you know we take delivery of the darn thing and then we pay over the months but you you enjoy the programs or suffer from the programs in the very beginning <laughs> And, and, and pay on the never-never as we <laughs> as we describe it in England the only thing is that in this case you take delivery of your television set uh, and, 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 and the payment is the viewing the payment is the viewing so that's good business too have a rotten your karma I don't know, I'm not an expert in the field but have a rotten your karma and you couldn't be much worse than mine I guess um, I don't see any reason why it should stand in the way of what we're going to have a look at now present just finally why after all this should we bother about finding out who we are why should we do it? Although it's easy, although it's here, although it's now, why should we do it? Kind of intellectual reason here. I, I, a reason, very strong one, I think, both intellectual and also a feeling matter. See, I, I, I suffered in my life from great feeling separation and loneliness and shyness being a thing on my own stranger lost in a great big world tremendous sense of separation and lack of lack of love and the anguish of separation alienation and for me that's been a sickness and it, I, I believe it is the fundamental sickness in my reading anyway is that we are separate from one another now if I'm what I look like if I'm here what I look like to you I'm separate and distinguishable from all of you and if you're what you look like there 
if you if what you look like to us is what you look like to yourself right there then you too are separate and little Douglas separate and you're separate you're all separate at loggerhead object things and that seems to me a setup for fear anxiety in short hell and somehow how can I break my great problem is how can the barriers come down between us how can we really set the scene for loving one another how can we enjoy one another deeply enjoy one another without fear how can we come together well there's great ones down the ages have told us see who you are you will find that the barriers are down and the love is there not because you've engineered it the joy is there not because you've achieved it but by your very nature it's going going for you there when you see how you're already constituted it's as though we've been told we're built for loving built for loving built for this incredible enjoyment of each other Well, so much of my own history. I've been all about biography there. Some of my, some of the motivation, some of the encouragement that I've received uh, in my own life, which I hope you don't mind my sharing with you. So now I think what we do is go straight into the experiment, which I'd like to do with you, and then over to you. So that's as much as I've got to say pretty much.